Our scripture reading this morning comes from John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses and the law uh, and the prophets also wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, he said of him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, where did you come to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This was supposed to be the second Sunday after Epiphany. Um, so we're going to just pretend, you know, that we did not miss church last week. Um, which again, sorry, I meant to earlier offer you all thanks again for your understanding with that. Um, I am confident we made the right call. But as a pastor who spent her decade of ministry in Phoenix, Arizona, um, it was one that I felt a little ill-equipped to make. So um, I hope everyone's in cozy and warm, and I'm glad that we are gathered again. And so for most of our church year together, uh, we will be focusing on Mark's gospel. Um, but this, this Sunday in Epiphany always brings us to John in the beginning of the journey in this way. We're in the first chapter, and the reading is what happens next after the baptism of Jesus. John's version of events in almost all things is slightly different than the other Gospels. John doesn't give us a baptism story. He doesn't tell us anything about Jesus's birth or childhood or the temptation in the desert or the other things we think about as the beginning of the journey. He gives us some insight into the relationship between Jesus and John the Baptist. In the verses just before today's reading, we see John the Baptist pointing to Jesus and encouraging his own disciples to start following the one whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. And they do. Andrew goes and finds his brother Simon and brings him to Jesus. Jesus gives him a new name, Peter. And the story is just beginning. There are several different threads that weave together through these verses, connecting them to what has gone before and what will follow. One strand is this idea of liminality. It's a key theme in this season. The word liminal comes from the Latin word that means threshold. It's this idea that time is... is not quite uh, moving normally, I guess. It's, it's in this in-between space. We are at the start of something, but not quite there. The revealing of Jesus as the Christ brings people to this threshold of transformation. 
we celebrate how the Magi were changed as they crossed that threshold in their journey to see the baby, their lives being transformed as they bowed in worship before the Holy Child. We celebrate that they were sent home by a different way, not having been the same as when they came. And now as Jesus calls his first disciples, we see each of them stand on that same threshold between what was and what God is making new in Jesus. In the verses just before today's reading, uh, Simon gets a whole new name. This is something that we see throughout the Bible. When something major happens in someone's life, they remove not they uh, move through it not just with a new understanding, but with an entirely new name. And we know that his transformation is just beginning. That is not the end of it. That brings us to Philip. Philip shows us a couple of themes that we recognize throughout scripture, and especially in this season of Epiphany. One of those is this idea of finding or being found. We hear that word three times in the first couple of verses, Jesus finds Philip. Philip finds Nathanael and tells him, we found the one about whom Moses and the prophets wrote. If you were like me as a kid, you were very used to being found because I was a kid who liked to hide. I would argue uh, if my mother was here and recounting the story, I didn't actually hide. She would just keep walking and not realize that I had sat down to read something in the middle of a grocery aisle. And suddenly she was four aisles away and I was nowhere to be found. But I did actually enjoy hiding. I liked going into those small spaces and finding a little bit of quiet. I really just liked to read. I liked to tuck away in a corner with a good book or the back of a cereal box if that's what was available to me. And my mom would often come running back realizing that at some point her child had tucked herself into a corner somewhere. And she was usually a little annoyed with me, which is understandable, I suppose, but mostly very relieved to find me. I was always shocked at her reaction because while I had been found, I had absolutely no idea that I had been lost in the first place. And I wonder if that's how Philip felt when Jesus went looking for him and when Jesus found him and said, follow me. The scripture is very clear that Jesus found Philip instead of the other way around. Jesus was looking specifically for him. And then Philip went looking for Nathaniel. Nathaniel only shows up in John's gospel. The other gospel writers list Bartholomew right under Philip's name. So it's quite plausible that they are the same person. Bartholomew was not a real name. It just means son of Tholomaeus. Uh, and so we, we don't know for sure, right, that this is the same person in all of the gospels. It doesn't really matter. It's just interesting. Um, we might see Nathaniel as a skeptic with his challenge to Philip, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And we don't know much about him outside of this story, but Jesus knows him. Where we might see blunt skepticism, 
maybe a little bit of internal prejudice. Can anything good come out of Canyon County? <laughs> Jesus sees complete honesty. And this is the point where Nathaniel steps onto the threshold between his old assumptions and his new reality. It's also where we see another theme emerging, one that will continue to show up over the next several weeks. It's this theme of seeing and of being seen. In John's gospel, seeing is always a metaphor for a deeper awareness, an awakening to faith, a clearer understanding of who Jesus is. The eyes being the window to the soul was not just a nice phrase, it was believed very literally in this time. That what you reflected out through your eyes, what you took in when you saw, was reflective, reflective of your soul and impacted your soul. And so seeing, when people see clearly, it means that they are more right with God. And we notice that this threshold, this clearer understanding of who Jesus is, is initiated by Jesus. He sees Nathanael coming toward him. He tells him, before Philip said, come and see, that Jesus had already seen Nathanael sitting under the fig tree. We often think of coming to faith as our own eyes being open to the truth of the gospel. And we look for a clearer understanding of who Jesus is. We seek the kingdom of God and its righteousness, but in this story, it's Jesus who is doing the seeking, Jesus who is doing the searching, Jesus who is finding the ones he will call as disciples. Jesus is the one who is looking. And I can't imagine how it must feel as Nathaniel comes to this realization and crosses the threshold to know that God is looking diligently for you seeking you out and finding you? How do you respond to the realization that you matter to God so much that God is seeking you out and has always seen you? When Nathaniel realized that Jesus really saw him, he found himself in that same liminal moment the Magi had experienced. They were overwhelmed with joy. Nathaniel was overwhelmed with faith. Rabbi, he exclaims, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. In a single moment, he transforms from skeptic into believer, from critic into disciple. Nathaniel, in this moment, brings us to the threshold between naming Jesus and following him. This connection between Christology and discipleship, between identifying Jesus as the Christ as the son of God, the king of Israel, rabbi, and actually following Jesus without reservation happens in this liminal space when we each receive our own epiphany. It's the point between finding Christ and Christ finding you. Theologian Ted Smith writes, uh, discipleship and Christology fit together so closely because discipleship is, first of all, a willingness to walk with Jesus. It is not obedience to an abstract set of codes, but consent to a costly, joyful relationship. In walking with Jesus, we learn who he is. As we learn who he is, we learn what it means to follow. 
People talk about inviting Jesus into our hearts, making Jesus a part of our lives, this idea of Jesus as personal savior. But I think it is more important to turn that idea around and to realize that Jesus is welcoming us into his life. Jesus is inviting us to come and see where he lives. He's offering us the opportunity to be a part of what he is doing. His invitation is open, but it's up to us to follow, up to us to come and see. We must decide if we can make that kind of deep commitment, if we can devote ourselves to that kind of relationship. Because rather than inviting Jesus into our lives as they are, this means letting go of our own assumptions and expectations. It means surrendering our desires and plans for ourselves to enter into a world where the desires and plans reflect God's desires for the world. And so we ask, what are we seeking with all our being? What is our soul's deep longing? Are we actually ready to be part of Jesus's life so that we can find what we seek? And once we have found Christ, whatever that might mean for us, then what? Because it's not just enough to see Jesus. We are called to follow. Following Jesus wherever he goes, living with him, is the way that we find what we are seeking. Entering into this lifelong commitment to be a part of Christ's life is the only way that we fulfill that that pull that we feel towards something larger, towards something greater, to knowing that the world is not how it should be and knowing that we are a part of making it that way. There's this thread that pulls us towards each other and towards the greater good. That is the pull to follow. Jesus asks, what is it that you are looking for? Are you looking for grace and forgiveness, for abundant life? Are you looking for an abiding and deep connection with the God who created you? And Jesus isn't sitting around waiting for us to invite him into our lives. With his come and see, Jesus is including us in this work. People talk about sometimes how Jesus fills a God-sized hole in their lives, but I don't think it's about that. I think following is about the you-sized place that you can claim in God's family when you accept this invitation. In the very last verse of this passage, the you is plural. When Jesus says very truly, I tell you. Jesus isn't just talking to Nathaniel anymore. He's talking to all of us. We all see greater things than just being seen under our fig trees. We are all to be witnesses to Christ's sacrifice. We are all to be witnesses to Christ's journey. We are all to be witnesses to this life that we are joining in on. Nathaniel scoffed, can anything good come out of Nazareth? But he changed his tune when he encountered Emmanuel, God with us. Now the question is turned towards us. Can anything good come out of Collister United Methodist Church? 
Jesus invites us onto the threshold between what once was and what God calls us towards. Jesus looks each of us and all of us in the eye and says, follow me, come and see. And thanks be to God for that adventure. Amen.